1: let me make one quick announcement before we get into it and what i want to do is i've heard about these people say subscribe unsubscribe subscribe again all right, and I want to test it. So last time we asked our, our viewers for more reviews, and we now have 550 maybe. We got five uh, 400 reviews in, in just a couple of days. You guys are really active. So, and they all sent me messages. I tried to reply to everyone. Did you?
0: I did now. Yeah, I went and clicked okay. it out. So, here's so if you what haven't I want, got a reply... I thought you did get a reply. So here's
1: what I want people to do. And the reason I'm gonna, uh, I am gonna I want to do this is because I think people like seeing us succeed, and they like seeing the journey. Yes. So you're going to help us succeed. So here's what you do. If you have an iPhone, you're going to go to like, the the... the 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 menu where you can like turn your wi-fi and bluetooth off and all that there's a button on the bottom right where you hit record okay record that that's going to record your screen then go to the podcast app go to my first million click subscribe and then unsubscribe and then subscribe again send us a video of that happening and if you do also send us a question that you want and we'll answer your question
0: yeah we'll bake a q and a and this will tell us the truth, right? Because there's, we need to run the experiment. We need to know: is this how? Th- is it does this actually work, or is this just like a myth?
1: And if you send us your question, ideally send it via Twitter, yeah, so everyone can see and can comment. In that way, it's easy. So just record yourself. Subs- what is it? Subscribing, unsubscribing, and then resubscribing. Do it a bunch of times. Record yourself. Post that on Twitter, tag one of us or both of us, and then on that same thread, ask your question.
0: And um, and if you don't have a question, that's fine, too. And then we're going to look at the charts, and we're going to see what this does to the chart movement. I think it's going to actually boost the chart movement if, I, if the theory is correct. you know i I believe this is why podcasters ask people to do this is because this shit actually works
1: and if it does here's what we'll do if this does work and people keep doing this what we'll do is with only the people who do that we'll like take a screenshot of our analytics and send it to them
0: yeah yeah we'll share the data yeah no problem how was uh the big stage you went to new york
1: yeah so what i did was i went to new york and i originally went to meet with some advertisers of ours and to be wine
0: and dining or what
1: yeah yeah kind of i'll tell you about it and then i went to uh be on the gary Vaynerchuk podcast and then i went to be on
0: is his name pomp yeah everyone knows him as pomp
1: pomp yeah and anthony I, I his, or something. i did his, his podcast it was cool did gary vaynerchuk's podcast first thing in the morning at 8 or 9 or 10 a.m when i got there All i right. was a little groggy from my flight because i took some medicine when i flew it went okay we'll see what happens um
0: Whoa, gary, wait, wait, hold on so you walk in what what happens? So, yeah so
1: walked in so he has two offices in new york one hudson yards which i've been to before it's buzzing this one was the studio it's a little quieter but still pretty badass um it was awesome man uh
0: and you guys know each other. You don't know each other. So this is like first the first time, time... we met,
1: but we had, he knew who I was. And right. obviously I definitely know who he is and he knew who our company was. He, uh, he was totally nice and he was really low key at first. He wasn't like cocaine, Gary. <laughs> yeah, uh, He was like, <laughs> you guys
0: really... do a little chit chat, small talk beforehand, or you just got Barely. into it. Barely. So
1: here's what happened. We sat down and, uh, there's like an audience there's like an audience of like 10 maybe 5 or 10 people Me, it was me and Adam on our side and then he had an entourage and we sit down and he goes alright go and he <laughs> looks at me and I was like I looked at Adam I, will... <laughs> I go Gary I think you're interviewing me he goes oh i am i was like <laughs> right adam like is that right and adam looked at and he goes yeah that's what we set up out of the
0: safety blanket <laughs> yeah
1: and gary was like oh okay so
0: tell me about who you are like
1: <laughs> and uh it was good it was great All right, so he's a
0: nice guy that's good to know
1: yeah you know he's an easy target because he's so loud yeah um i believe that he is totally legitimate and a really good business person i think his company vayner is really really hard to run and he sure. said that he was currently the coo and ceo good business and he's totally legitimate he's like because he you can
0: like well, put, what makes you say that so like, well, you
1: could put him in like the donald trump category of a guy who talks a lot and you're like i don't know this guy the real deal right he's totally the real deal he just talks a lot
0: uh, but what what were the little tidbits that gave you that impression right because I, I believe that I i'm not saying you're lying so but whenever i go to these offices I,
1: I ask them i go so how do you like working here I always ask employees. I ask the front desk. I go, what, "What's what? you know?" And you can kind of tell if they actually like it. Yeah. And when he, he has eight hundred employees, so the, and and the office space was it was really expensive real estate. There was really nice furniture. Uh, everything was set up professionally. It's a real business, right? So you could tell what's legitimate and what isn't once you go in there. Um, in this Hudson Yards office, they had
0: uh,
1: Vayner Media water bottled water. Um, the office was buzzing. Everyone had nice computers. It, it wasn't. It, it's not a startup,
0: right? Felt like a legit operation,
1: totally For 100%. Sure. And uh, kudos to him, man, he's he's talented. And
0: uh, you did the podcast, uh, you know, rate your performance.
1: I gave myself a C, plus. okay. And then Why? because I was uh, it was a I hadn't done any reps that day, like I did a, po- a podcast later that day and I had a rep, you were in, firing, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> all right, I'm on it. Uh, it just was it just fell a little flat, but Adam and his people said it was one of their favorite ones they've ever done.
0: And do you have a uh, little prep routine you would do? If, let's say before you get on stage, before you do an interview, how do you, you know, switch the light? Yeah, on?
1: well, I typically will like, you know how it is. Like when we're doing this thing, I was in a piss. I was in a shitty mood a minute ago. And then these lights turned on and you're like, all right, I got like, yeah. to like snap out of it. Um, And uh, you, what I do is I talk to the receptionist or I'll talk to the Uber driver um, just to like start. Getting get out of your words. head. Yeah, yeah, get my words going and getting a better, happier mood yeah and that's usually what i do okay um is that what you do
0: uh no like everything i try to like study and come up with like a framework for how to do it and like a technique and so i picked up two things so i picked up one from Connor mcgregor uh that he i was watching this documentary of oh, him talk with the a Pencil in your mouth. Pen in your mouth. Yeah. So uh, this, I I tried it and it actually works fantastic. So basically you take a pencil or a pen, uh, you hold it sort of horizontal sideways, you bite on it. So it's in your mouth, you know, sort of going out past your cheeks. And then you just talk for one minute. And what happens is because the pencil's there and your mouth's in this awkward position, your tongue has to really work to like flick over and under this thing to get to the spots it usually goes to. So you end up enunciating way better. I don't know if it's placebo. I don't know if it really is like an actual warm up for your tongue, but this shit works. I've recorded myself before and after, and I can tell the difference. Um, and other, I had other people listen to it. I said, tell me which one of these sounds better. And um, I don't know whether it's placebo or not. It, it, that one works for me. The other thing is um, like a quick uh, physical change. So um, like push ups or something, Push ups, a wind sprint, a jumping jack, a scream, music, whatever. Um, I am a big believer that that, That uh, the fastest way to change the way you feel is through changing your body rapidly. And It works. That's like a Tony Robbinsism. Tony Robbins has this great YouTube video. If you go look at, if you just YouTube young Tony Robbins, and it's you know the same guy minus 25 years, and he's in a tank top and he's giving the speech and he talks about he goes, before I get on stage, you know people always ask me, okay, you're you're a public speaker, you do you do a really great job. How do you do a great job of this? And he goes because I don't make the mistakes most people do. He goes most people are sitting in a low energy shell. Yeah, Their body know. body posture sucks. And then they just get up on stage and they don't warm up. Like, an athlete would never do that. And he's like, I treat myself like an athlete. I get myself in a mental state, a physical state. And he goes, the second thing I do, I don't try to memorize what I'm supposed to say. Because when you try to memorize what you say, you're trying to prepare. But what ends up happening is your mind is then editing. It's comparing what you're saying versus what you kind of remember you were supposed to say. And so you have this other whole thing going on in your head that takes you away from the moment. Third thing, and this is the last one, he goes, before I go up there, I convince myself that the audience has to hear this. Like, their lives depend on this information. Like, they need. I'm here to help. And if I can get this across, like even with this podcast, for example, it's like you know somebody is out there they're commuting they're you know they're they have this idea that they haven't taken action on they're kind of beating themselves up about it or you know they look around at the five people that they hang out with the most and they're just like these people are not like me and we're in their earballs and they're like oh there are people like me out there and yes I should take some action and yes I should have some fucking energy today and so he's like I just convinced myself that they have to hear this and that I'm here to serve them And I was like, okay, uh, I do that.
1: Just hearing that has made me feel better. There you go. (laughs) Um, Another thing that I did while I was out there is uh, on Sunday night, I tweeted out. So um, when I fly, I take a lot of Xanax. It's the only drug I do. I don't do any alcohol. And sometimes the night before, I'll take it a little bit as well because I really hate flying. And so on Sunday night, I tweeted that I rented this Airbnb, which I did, and i 'm going to host a meetup, and I got two hundred replies saying let 's meet up right and that i couldn 't do that, so I only let twenty trend subscribers come, and so the trend subscribers are also uh, not one hundred of you listeners or not one hundred percent of listeners are subscribers, but all subscribers are listeners right and they so I met i think at thirty ended up coming and it was fucking awesome it was so <laughs> cool uh, this one kid flew up from south carolina or something and i tweeted this on the meetup was monday night i tweeted this on Su- Saturday, sunday night sunday, yeah. or, like it, I, there was no preparation like we all we did me and adam we landed on and on monday morning we went to the mexican place next door and said hey can you bring over enough tacos for 20 people here's two or three hundred bucks and go buy us some beer and we'll pay you more money and that's all we did and it was awesome yeah these people are fucking fanatical it's crazy <laughs> Um, it's nuts. It's really odd. It's Who was the most interesting person? So many interesting people. One guy. There was this one guy. I I forget his name. Maybe he's listening. He was an older, the eldest guy there, which is not old, but in his fifties or forties. And he built was it, it builds custom electric cars, cars, and through the trends group sold fifty cars to another custom
0: trend. electric car. Yeah, like what does that he, mean?
1: like he was making. Uh, like they took a they take a Prius or a um, Ford no they took yeah they took like a some type of pickup truck and made it an electric delivery van oh wow for a cannabis company in LA because who else did I meet I mean I met all types of people one guy who sells fake boobs for a living so he sells um, his. Tell me more. H- Fairchild. Did this guy ever talk to you on Twitter? No,
0: his name's Fairchild. Hunter. Fairchild. <laughs> oh, Hunter. Fairchild. Yeah, yeah. I see this guy on my Twitter all the time.
1: Yeah, he his boss. He sells fake
0: boobs for a Yeah, little.
1: his his boss invented like a better dude. What's in
0: fake his bio? Because I've looked at this guy's bio and he's not advertising this. So let's no, it was let's awesome. We're was Hunter, Hunter on blast. Me, all, it was,
1: me and this girl Aditi were just sitting down. and Hunter came and we were just shooting the shit. And We were like, Hunter, what do you do? <laughs> and this woman Aditi, she's nice. I met her before. Um, we were just sitting there and she, he's like, well, I sell breast implants. And we were like, what? And we just started talking. I was like, so do you have like a woman <laughs> who comes with you and like shows you like shows the buyers like you need like sales brochures. Like how do you have like how do you show that your boobs are the best? And he was just like walking through this whole process. It was crazy. <laughs> uh, I had never heard of such a thing. Yeah, um, me neither. But of course, he came up from Virginia for this.
0: That's great. All right, cool. So you can do more of that or what?
1: Well, you and i need to do more so what we can do is new york we could get i easily we could have gotten 200 people yeah so we can do one in new york um i think a or whatever we use tells us where people are
0: right we got to go to canada we got to go to utah when we shouted out utah that i know time, i still get more dude the, the number of uh, these friendly ass utah you know citizens whatever they're called utahans reach out all the time like hey when you guys are here I got you. So maybe like And it feels good to be taken care of like that. It does. It feels great. Maybe great hospitality. Hmm.
1: What's what month is it? February?
0: Yeah. When you end of February.
1: We we should do a thing where we could try to hit up like three cities in five days. Right. Or maybe maybe a so little
0: longer. I got into this thing, I don't know if I told you about this uh this thing called reality. Have you heard of this? No. So basically uh you know how Jewish people have birthright? Yeah. And I don't know exactly how uh, the mechanics of birthright work, but from what I understand, I about it. if you're Jewish, you get it. to go. It's paid by the sort of wealthy Jewish people around and the world.
1: And wealthy Christians, fundamental Christian, Christians who believe that Israel's is the land for Jews. Oh,
0: for wow. It. Okay, didn't know that. So basically, that's a cool thing for Jewish
1: people. You're shaking your head. Are you Jewish, Henry? But no. well, you know all about it? you just stunned. (laughs) All
0: my friends have gone on it. Yeah, I've never been more jealous than when my friends go on birthright and then come back. It's like this mini study abroad. Yeah, it's great. And so then I was like, all right – what is this? Uh, you know, How do I get more of this? So they have this program called Reality, Reality 2020, if you want to look it up. And it's basically, you can be in these different groups. You can be in entertainment. You can be in technology. You can be in whatever, social impact. You apply to get in. If you get in, I've applied, I've applied before. I got rejected a few years ago. This time I applied, I got in. And it's like a group, small group, I don't know, 30 people, 40 people that get accepted and get to go. It's not all expenses paid, but it's like most expenses paid. And so... Um, yeah, anyways, I've been going on this trip late May now, and I'm going to see what this is all about to Israel. And, um... Oh,
1: I've heard of this. Siva does it. Is it a a Jewish thing?
0: I don't think it... You don't have to be Jewish. This one's not, like, But It's
1: like a... a, a, But it's for, like, you
0: know, Israel's, you know, sort of startup and kind of thought leadership and young people, that sort of thing, like future leaders I mean, it's
1: like a... a, Not in a bad way. It's a propaganda thing. It's, like, to get you into the Israel. Yeah, it's like a
0: program. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: so I'm doing that, but, um... My question to you, you it's late in May. So first, uh, scared of coronavirus, may not go. Um, I was supposed to go to Germany in May. So we in should May. talk about coronavirus in a second. But secondly, why do Jews have all the good things? Why don't other people do this? This seems like a great... Birthright seems great. Jews and Mormons. Yeah, Mormons. They're also.
1: like the same thing, but Mormons might be better now because they don't drink.
0: Do Mormons have these perks like that, like birthright or something? Yeah, they all have all types of shit, dude. <laughs>
1: they, and they're all real good at basketball. And Jews love basketball, too. <laughs> I mean, dude, they're all like real similar. Like right. a very similar group of people.
0: <laughs> well, the thing I, I like... Uh, is the sort of pay it forward thing. I think Silicon Valley has this a lot where um, a lot of people who move here, they hesitate to reach out to people because they're like, well, why would this person want to help me? I you know, I have nothing to offer. But like that is the culture of Silicon Valley is to pay it forward, it is to help the like next person who doesn't know anything. And um, I feel like Jews have this in their culture. And I feel like Mormons have this in their culture you know i'm indian i don't feel like there's this same it's not as strong for indian people uh to sort of try to help out the next uh and i think part of it's because there's such a big population you can't afford to do it there's like i don't know six million jewish people on earth or something crazy and they run the world so i think you know with a small number of people you can offer this like much more high touch help each other model
1: um I agree. Okay. You want to get into some stuff? You want to yeah. talk about coronavirus or you want to... Yeah, coronavirus. Out, like, okay.
0: So I'm terrified of coronavirus. Um, and, you know, generically, I'm terrified. You know, I was terrified without information. And then I started looking into it a little bit more. So there's I don't
1: even p- know about it. Can you explain what the coronavirus is?
0: Yeah. So basically, there's a couple of these viruses. They're uh, influenza strains. And With so... The flu? The flu. Yeah. So basically, a few years ago, you probably heard, you know, SARS or yep. swine flu. And so... Uh, You know, the very first time I think SARS happened, there was, uh, you know, a kid got this flu, goes to the doctor's office. They're like, okay, this is the flu. And kid dies within like a very short amount of time. They're like, well, that was odd. That doesn't usually happen. So they took a sample and sent it to like the CDC or whoever. Right. Like they sent it to some lab to say, you know, what do you see here? There was this was a very unusual case. The health deteriorated so quick. That's not typical to the flu. And what they realized was, hey, this is a new strain called, I think it was like H1N5 at the time. And it was like, this is only ever found in animals. This is the first time it's crossed over from animal to human. And so that was bird flu when that happened. And then so there's been these different um, sort of uh, very, very deadly viruses. SARS, which are, which was very, very popular. MERS, which happened in the Middle East, respiratory syndrome. So is what's kind of what these you know, Middle East respiratory I think syndrome is the what MERS stands for. And SARS is sort of the same thing. And um, so the thing with these was that, you know, although there's a lot of hoopla around SARS um, and bird flu, like SARS killed less than a thousand people, less than a thousand total fatalities. Not a big drop in the bucket as far as the death bucket goes on Earth. Uh, Coronavirus already killed like 3000 plus people. So already much bigger than that. The reason it's scary though is actually, and and for a while people were like, oh, don't worry, the fatality rate is low. Fatality rate's like, I don't know, three percent for this, whereas for SARS it was like super high. I don't know, I I don't know the exact number, but it's like majority of people who have it die. Uh, whereas with this, three percent means you get it, but you have a good chance of living. But the big problem with that, and the article that I read was called "Why You Probably Why We Probably Can't Contain." Coronavirus. Why you probably are going to end up getting coronavirus is because this virus is extremely contagious, but has these sim- has these trademarks that are very problematic. So. Um, It takes a while for your symptoms to show up. So you have it and you carry it for like, you know, 14 days without showing symptoms. So you'll be spreading this around and not even realizing you have it. Then once you have it, you don't just like deteriorate and like your health doesn't go to shit where they, you know, you're in the hospital, they quarantine you. It's like, you know, it starts innocent and it gets worse over time. So the infectious period is so much longer that there's basically no way to quarantine this thing. There's no way for us to contain this. And So what the article was saying was like, Ironically, because it is not as fatal and is not as bad for you right away, this thing is going to be unstoppable. Most likely case. Second thing with that was, I guess there's four like, an, you know, typical strains of the flu, which is why you can get your flu shot and still catch the flu um, every year. So, because there's these four different strains and the vaccine doesn't cover sort of all the, all the different variations. And, um, and so this guy's case was that most likely this is now just a fifth annual you know st- uh, strain that we're gonna have to live with and it's just gonna suck um it's so a very very you know kind of a downer also i'm sure you know sort of the bio nerds out there are gonna be like no there's 15 million strains that's all right um, but like that's the summary that i took I away and if you want to just get the point that's the point
1: point. and so um what you have up here is d2c stuff so like my i looked at my portfolio yesterday i was like fuck so i lost money yesterday off the stock market so, so
0: crazy shit's happening all around so generically stock market you know, people get paranoid bonds, you know, people flee to bonds. stock goes down that sort of thing. Other funny stuff happening, you know, zoom the conferencing software. So the stock ticker zoom uh, goes up 50% today because wait, shit, it's up 50% today. But wait, there's more. It's the stock ticker zoom zoom. But that's not Zoom's actual handle. Zoom's wow. actual handle is ZM. So people are buying the wrong stock because they think people are going to be working from home and teleconferencing in. And so they're buying Zoom, which does something else altogether. It's a very small what cap stock. Uh, I don't know. Henry, check what, what the stock for ZOOM actually does. God And bless it's a tiny it. stock. So it jumped 50% today. And like, you know, but you could actually predict this because this happened also at the IPO. Whoever bought Zoom the other thing got a huge pop at Zoom's IPO because of this. I love And so we when could have predicted happens. this one. I uh,
1: love when that happens.
0: But all kinds of fucked up things. Some other things. Uh, smart friends are basically saying, Hey, if you smart need pers- friends? My Smart Friends, you know, people who actually read the real information and like understand how the world works. They were like, Hey, if you need prescription drugs, uh, you should start stockpiling because most of it's coming from China and the supply chain globally is fucked. And like the world doesn't have uh, like friend friend of a friend, basically.
1: Um but how the fuck do you stockpile prescription meds?
0: Uh basically buy up buy your refills and um and so the, there's no global plan B for what happens if China gets sick or slowed down. We don't have another like supply chain and so all co- kinds of things are suffering. And
1: I have friends that have D 2 C companies that buy their shit and they're saying, Shit.
0: Yeah, months, Shit. months backed up. I was talking to a supplier yesterday and he was like, even if we come back to work, there's, you know, all the f- other factories that we depend on, the printing factory, the packaging guys. And they're not coming. Like the workers are just not coming back because in most factories in China, the workers don't actually live in that city permanently. So for Chinese New Year, which is when this happened. So Chinese New Year is a month long holiday.
1: Yeah, well, we have they a Chi- all- Chinese intern. He told us all about it. He goes, he goes, it's the largest travel day in the world. Right. Because every Chinese person, goes
0: everybody home. goes home. And when they go home, they go back to very rural areas, and already there's this problem where they don't, you know, often they don't come back because, you know, they don't want to be living in some other city working in a factory. But with this, people are just not coming back, Um, and so there's no replacements it's like a very dire situation well and like obviously at a human level also incredibly dire situation
1: so to turn shit into gold where's the opportunity here i mean what's going to happen do you think that this is going to impact uh long have long-term impact with Chinese china making shit and you have to go elsewhere
0: i don't know so there's a question of like um so two two theories one is for stuff like this the people who are going to do really well they didn't start now they started something two years ago a blog on being a prepper or whatever and um today's your day you know like this is your month and so i don't think the i don't know how much i am interested in the sort of like today opportunity also just feels kind of fucked up we talked about judy the other day right the judy sort of survival kits or bags
1: my, my friend joe Spicer bought something from um like, Survivorkit.com, and he got an email from them saying we have a hundred times our normal volume. We apologize, but we're going to make it happen, right? So, those the Judy thing that which uh, the respiratory we, we masks, a long time.
0: Th- those are not in the Judy bag, but the respiratory masks are just like out of stock, you can't get them, and that's like the thing you need is like to protect your nose yeah, and that's mouth. That's long
1: gone, no one can pounce on that, but yeah. Um, we covered this guy who launched a company called um judy is it judy judy yeah judy it's a emergency kit
0: yep an orange like emergency backpack ready to go uh,
1: my wife texted me today and said let's go and buy a bunch of stuff
0: i feel the same way more people are doing this have you ever been in an emergency situation by the way have you ever like been in a city when like a flood happens or anything like that it's really bizarre how it feels no i was in hawaii our honeymoon there was a hurricane in hawaii oh i I of our honeymoon
1: when i was there
0: and so we went to the grocery store. We're, and at first, we go to the hotel and they're like, hey, um, we have early check in available. And we're like, well, that's cool. Thanks. Cause we're a honeymoon. And they're like, no, we just have like a lot of open rooms. No one's there. I was like, what's going on? They're like, well, n- have you seen the weather report? Like, there's our hurricane this week. And of course, I don't check the weather. So I book my honeymoon on a hurricane week. And um, so we go to the grocery store and it's like, the zombie attack has happened. Like all the water bottles are gone. Like the shelves are empty. People are just checking out like four carts worth. It's really like it's an odd, eerie, eerie feeling when that happens.
1: Yeah, this thing the, my issue, here's an opportunity if someone wants to go for it. Is you know how poll uh is it uh there's a Politico check. That was called politi- polit- Politico fact.
0: You mean like the fact checking thing?
1: Yeah. I don't awesome. know what it's called, but it yeah. Always, so what you do is like, did Bloomberg really say this? Right. And it goes That's what I want for a coronavirus right now. I don't know what's true and what isn't.
0: So there's a blog called... I believe it's called theprepared.com. It is exactly what you want. It is plain awesome. English. It's like, here's the facts, not the overreaction. And by the way, we'll tell you about the overreaction and why it's an overreaction. But here's the facts. What's it called? Presented the in a calm calm way. The site is beautiful. It works great on your phone. I tweeted at the guy who started. I was like, this is a, like, thank you a for making this. It. Yeah, I was like, thank you for making this site because this is exactly what I need in this situation.
1: It autofilled nicely. A M- bunch of people must be going to I feel like it's Ah, right. he's selling kits. <laughs> (laughs) he's selling kits oh god this guy's awesome cool i'm into this
0: so scary situation um yeah scary all around um best of luck to everybody yes for sure um okay you want to move on or yeah let's move on okay
1: um i i have a few interesting things that happened uh cool companies that we can talk about the first thing is something that has made a huge impact on me and i think more people need to take advantage of it which is transparent numbers so basically there's a group of people out there who believe that transparency is good um and they share all of their revenue they share they share their every metric about their business as deep as everyone's salary their bank balance churn how much it costs to um, acquire a customer, how much a customer stays on for, everything. Some are a little bit less. Well, they'll share how many customers they have, how much revenue they have, what their bank balance is. Uh, More people should follow uh, these businesses. I, for one, am totally against that. I don't think you should ever reveal that but i'm happy they do and, I, and yeah <laughs> um
0: and so, so some examples so throw okay, them out
1: Okay. so uh first of all my friend encore what's encore's last name he uh runs teachable
0: uh, i don't remember his last name
1: um if you google on en- can you tell me encore's last name F- uh, founder of teachable okay so he reveals uh on twitter the valuation of every Nagpal.
0: round yeah, what Nag- is it nog
1: yes net Nat- say it nog paul uh he reveals the valuation of every, right. every time they, they raise They just raised like
0: 20 million bucks yep. at a whatever. 200,
1: something really good. And he reveals how much revenue they have, how many customers they have. It's awesome. Yes. I love that. The other guy is Sahil. Sahil uh, from Gumroad. Shitty business. Seems like an awesome guy. Uh, he reveals every single month. Yep. all the you could google gumroad founder Sahil.
0: it's on his twitter if you he just he doesn't have a tweet Lance. after you don't even have to dive into the books it's like yeah, here's 140 awesome.
1: characters um joel from buffer he does this they actually just switch so if you go to baremetrics.com or google BearMetrics, they have like 18 different companies that do this and it's pretty cool and joel from buffer used to be on there they're a 22 million dollar a year company so pretty valuable and they would would, would they reveal did everything. everything everything employee
0: salaries like name salary equity you know, level, everything. everything.
1: And you know what? They're changing. They're showing less and less. Because
0: yeah, have you becomes, talked to them? Do you know why?
1: It becomes problematic when you add more people. Um,
0: yeah. Duh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like you know guy you know creates you know turns his kitchen into a man cave instead gets a girlfriend and is like oh she doesn't like it it's like yeah no shit man like i could have told you this like <laughs> when you bought the plasma and put it on the fridge
1: Grow up, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh...
0: <laughs> people yeah. don't like their salary being public what <laughs> so they still
1: do salary they still do equity
0: people get upset when they see their coworker who slacks off and works from home two days a week and they yeah, see his salary
1: stupid. because people don't understand that like p- different people have Different situations. It's not like
0: so. So they did it. I think in a smart way, which is, they basically were like they used it as customer acquisition.
1: Yeah, um, it's part of their story because they got their ass kicked by HubSpot.
0: And so they or, like sorry,
1: uh, hootsuite.
0: You know, this has become a bit of a playbook for small. Business to business SaaS companies, which is look, you know, acquisition of customers is hard. What if my customer is a small business owner? What is small business? What would bring a small business owner to me? What content could I put out there that would make a small business owner come? So instead of saying seven tips to have more effective meetings, they were like. Here's our our P&L for this month. And sure enough, a lot of people wanted to see that. So a lot of people discovered their product through this. And so, you know, maybe this lines up totally with their values and that's why they did it. But I just definitely it was a great way for people to discover their business. I didn't use Buffer, but I read all their shit. And if anybody ever needed a solution like Buffer, I was like, oh, Buffer, you should use Buffer. Why? Because otherwise I wouldn't have even known about them. And so this was a pretty counterintuitive thing that they did. And uh, they were the only ones doing it. And so you always get paid when you're the only one doing it if it's juicy.
1: Yeah. And so uh, one more person who's doing it, and th- his business is way better than Buffer.
0: I love this guy's business.
1: So it's my friend, Nathan Barry. I've met Nathan a while ago. And Nathan has this company called ConvertKit. They do close to $2 million in monthly recurring revenue, so $24 million. He owns 100% of it. it's it's probably a hundred to two hundred million dollar company like it's really valuable because once customers are locked in it's basically a mailchimp competitor it's an email
0: that seems high two two million a month you said oh oh,
1: that's for sure that's how much they do
0: so, so they're doing two million no no that part that so so twenty four million, million a year. so twenty four million you think they're worth what?
1: Ten times ten times
0: that. okay. Maybe
1: growing like a weed. Maybe people
0: don't switch from their email platform. Yeah, it'll all depend on the retention. So can you pull up actually, can you open open up their their metrics? So the retention just' is high. just Google like like Bear metrics dashboard or something. I forgot what the URL is, but it's like something dot com. And it's like their whole company. It's like, here's how many new customers we got. Here's how many people churned this month. It's like all their graphs and you can use it for your company. He even showed how much profit they make. I think it's like convert kit. It's it's like, yeah, here it is. You got to zoom in. There you go so this i don't know if this is their business or this is like the example thing but it's like Scroll monthly up. recurring revenue net revenue fees yeah that's how it this is somebody else's that's an business example. you got
1: to do convert kit yeah do
0: convert kit bare metrics just
1: type in convert kit revenue maybe if you can't if you can't spell
0: uh, i also use convert kit I, I actually i pay for a subscription because i'm like this product is so fucking powerful i don't actually have many sequences set up <laughs> I, have, I have a sequence of one email right now which is not a sequence it's just an email but
1: um i think it's a great product i love convert kit I love Nathan. Nathan's a great guy. Nathan's only 26 or seven years old. Um,
0: we talked to we talked about the idea of doing a drip sequence to build a newsletter for uh, women going through pregnancy and like week by week. And I had a friend or sorry, no, I had a random listener reach out on Twitter was like, I'm doing this. Here's my kind of unique asset I have to go about this. And uh, how should I set this up? And I sent him to ConvertKit. I was like, dude, your problem is going to be solved in like, you know, the next 90 minutes.
1: Um, what Are people leaving bare metrics or something? Why can't you find it? Oh, here you go.
0: No, 1.7 million.
1: It. Oh, is that it? Is, it what's the URL? Oh, yeah, okay.
0: so 1.7 million monthly recurring revenue. And you could just look at the... It'll say churn. Sort of, so annual run rate doing 20 million a year, which is up 1.7%. That's got to be how much this month. Revenue churn 5.1% per month.
1: That's not bad. That's it's not small. great either.
0: Well, it's because it's a small to medium business. Like uh, if you're churning five percent a month, that's uh, like what's his what's the net growth? So five percent a month is the churn. What's the new business every month? One and a half percent. It's one and a half percent. Yeah. So he's net negative then per month. No,
1: I think that that churn that that growth mo- that growth number takes into account churn.
0: I see. Okay, gotcha. Oh, okay, that's the. Net.
1: But this is because it's the the average revenue. It kind of even says so they make on average sixty dollars. Uh, is it sixty dollars a month? per user right um the the thing on the right medium business gonna have it's gonna have higher churn compared to other SAS. but dude if you're
0: if you're a real sicko you can just look at the live stream on the right and see every minute when somebody pays them it'll say like right now it says 29 dollars paid by you know you know anonymous company um dude he's got a lot of failed payments here get on that nathan what's going on you can't be failing it's three out of the 12 payments here are
1: It, he has a chart that says which ones fail so these these companies are are badass i uh, so you
0: wouldn't do it no i think what about good. a part of what you do the email list size, the revenue. I don't want to share
1: anything publicly. Um, well, I'll say like eight figures or right. something. No, I just don't think it brings a lot of good either.
0: You know when a company's trying to raise or sell their business because like two months before all these articles will come out, just like handing over, handing doing. over information. Yeah. Um, why, why is that happening? Because they want to raise their round or they want to sell their company yeah, within I, the next six months. I don't.
1: Can you go to the next, go back to the Google Doc? No, I'm not a fan of it. Uh one time when I, when I did my first conference I, when I was younger, it made like 60 grand in profit and I told everyone in the blog post and I hated the attention. So I'm never going to do that again. <laughs>
0: um, okay, so let's talk about pipe.com. You know pipe.com? I saw this and I was like, "Dude, this is awesome." I was I came to the I came to a little scratchpad to write it down and you already had it written down.
1: Okay, so here's what here's here's let me set the stage here. So when you have a subscription business, uh, I'm talking about software subscription, but maybe it could work for all types of stuff. Um, what happens is you do one of two things. The first is you say, all right, you sign this deal and you owe us $200 a month. And so that is a $2,400 a year subscription service, and the company that is your customer will pay you $200 a month. Um, What a lot of companies prefer to do, but this is actually a lot harder, is they say, all right, you signed one year contract, let's get all of your payment up front. Right. Now, here's the balance here, is do you want, or this is what people think, they can either get more customers and allow them to pay monthly, or they can get less customers, but allow them to pay annually and get all of that cash flow up front. And what what's it called pipe, pipe. what they do pipe.com if you have a business like convert kit and they have a history of three years and it says look every month our churn rate historically is five percent uh pipe can go okay so you have all these customers paying you each month let's just i don't know how they discount it but they probably they probably discounted a lot so they de risk it and this will say well let's just assume that you're going to have uh 20 monthly churn right we're just going to we'll give you all that money up front and you owe us as the money comes
0: in with a little bit of interest right awesome awesome business. So I have so many thoughts. All right, so a uh, couple things. First, the financial infrastructure, what's what's really going on here? The financial infrastructure for software companies and tech businesses is being rebuilt. So we already had investors, right? Angel investors, seed investors, uh, Series A investors, blah, blah, blah. But then you have a bank for startups, Mercury, started by you know some su- successful founders from Hayzap. They started Mercury. It's supposed to be a bank designed for startups. And then you have things like Brex or Ramp, which we talked about, which is like a business credit card designed for startups because the legacy institutions don't understand how to value these companies, how to assess risk, or how to like fund and finance these companies. Then you have things that are um, you know like marketplaces where you can buy and sell to, to buy and sell online businesses, like quiet, like brokerage or wherever. You have due diligence firms that pop up that specialize in software businesses like centurica then you have um you know guys like pipe which basically say great you know you have a cash flow problem but you have steady we know you have a predictable book of business uh we will give you the cash up front and we'll take a vig off the top of that and so i think these are all really smart businesses um each one at a different part of the the financial stack yeah, for so we software use and technology one companies
1: fastpay we use it it's, it's it's pipe but for media and publishers and pipe has raised 70 million in funding they're kind of stupid because we use them and and we have a, a million, millions of dollars in credit from them and we won't leave them because it's a wonderful service, but the reason why they're kind of stupid is because the market's a lot smaller than software and the numbers are a lot smaller. I think Pipe will be a multi-billion dollar company.
0: Yeah, or or the one problem with these is is there's a lot of of competition. Yeah, I think the aggregate will be. So, for example, this is also happening on the customer side, right? So, um, companies like Affirm or Cezil con- or Afterpay. That's consumers. Yeah, that's on the consumer side, but same same idea, which is like, they're trying to provide different financial instrument that like the traditional um, financial company, like the, the current sort of incumbents, aren't really figuring out how do we help e-commerce companies, sort of how do we help merchants, um, you know, Turned their, their products into monthly payments for their customers. But a firm came out and did it. And, you know, FastPay, or sorry, not FastPay, AfterPay. I think AfterPay is like an $8 billion company or something like that in Australia. Uh, a firm is a multi billion dollar company here doing the exact same thing. And they're all fighting over these merchants.
1: I love this shit, man. I say fuck the big banks. I fucking hate them. Yeah. I hate them so much. I hate having to talk to our rep. They don't understand me. Right. They don't understand so, what we're doing.
0: So, Ishan, our the producer and editor for the podcast, he had an idea. So I asked him uh, one day, because I, you know, I have him on as sort of my right hand man. So sometimes I just ping him with just random questions. I said, What's the biggest idea in your head right now? I was like, you know, what's the biggest startup idea you got? And uh, you know, he's 20, 21 years old. I don't know exactly how old he is, but he's a young guy. And so he goes well, I've been a you know freelancer contractor for you and many other people for, for the last few years. And um, he's like, why doesn't a, a sort of fast pay or pipe exist for contractors? Like, I have my invoice. Um, just give me the money now. And then you wait to like when the company pays, you take it and you take 5% That's a big idea. off the thing. And uh, I've actually heard this idea a few times before of like, you know, my my wife was a, you know, a consultant, for, you know, and so she always got paid like this on a 30 or 60 day cycle and she's, she would have, you know, 20 grand sitting in outstanding payments. If she could just get the 20 grand, you know, headache free, she would take 1950, uh, you know, she would take 19,000 out of that just to get the money now and not have to keep following up via email to be like, Hey, have you paid it yet? And like all that stuff. And so, The problem seems real, and this is more of a question to the audience of like, what am I wrong about? What don't I get about this idea? Seems like a great idea on the surface. Um, What's the problem with this idea? Because I've heard it bandied around a few times over the years. It's not a it's not a like super niche idea. I think a lot of people could have this idea. So what's wrong with it? And I think that you can learn just as much from common ideas that don't work as you can from great ideas that do work. Um, if you start to identify why does this seemingly good idea not work? Why have people tried and failed over and over again? There's a lot to learn as an entrepreneur. Yeah. I'm
1: digging that. Um, I, I, so Pipe.com's out. I'm loving those things.
0: Yeah, one thing. Hey, Henry, there's a guest downstairs. Would you mind letting her in? And she's going to join us uh, for like the next segment. Um, Julia, what's up?
2: Hi. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: You're already in my good books because you actually listen to the podcast. Not all the guests do. I do my
2: homework. Yeah, there oh, you go. She she listens. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I have a, there's a bunch of employee fans great um, they found out and it was the, I mean like they had been really gunning for me to have a chance
0: shout to out to them do you have that. like that like corny name for your employees like Everly yeah, Wellians that or,
2: is literally it oh my god Although Okay, is it, that really but, it well but then everyone was like hey did you just like come up with that because that is not that great um and so I think, like, you know, someone better with words is like, how about just Everly's? And I'm like, oh, that's better. Right. So that sounds much better. <laughs> We've shifted it to that. But Do you guys have, have this started. for the hustle? Do you have, like,
0: yeah. Thessalonians or some shit? No. Like that? I don't say, no. Yeah. No. You're fired, actually, if you say something like that at the hustle.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> no. We right. Just, just people. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, you know, with Bebo, somebody tried to like do that, and I was like, "Thank he God, is. there's not a nice one, because I don't want this Bebers. as like a thing." Yeah, Bieber's that yeah. would have been it. Yeah. By the way, I'm followed by Justin Bieber on Twitter. No big deal. Like, for real? Yeah. So, cross ten thousand followers, and Justin Bieber follows me. I DM'd Actually, him. He did not reply. How many people does he? Follow? It's got to be one of those bots that just follows How many people. people. Does he follow. I don't know, Henry, Justin Bieber, number of followers, we'll find out. Uh, the only way this can go is down for me, where he follows <laughs> so millions of say. people. It's
1: not a low number, my friend. It's <laughs> not a low number, yeah,
0: okay.
2: 300,000.
0: I'm one of the top 300,000 friends of Justin Bieber, so let's <laughs> just leave it at that. That's that. I would have thought. I thought
2: the number was gonna be like 10 million.
0: So okay, part. so speaking <laughs> yeah. of, so you have, uh, so you're, Julia Everlywell is your company name, uh, but your name's Julia Cheek. Yes.
2: That's a cool name. Thank you.
0: Um, I hate my last name. And so I'm always thinking, like, of, you know, just totally rebranding it to something cool. But then I know people will be like, did you just change your last name to try to sound cool? Which is probably the least cool thing you could do.
2: I kind of got the opportunity to do that because I decided I had a choice to do Julia Taylor maiden name or if I wanted to when I got married take on Cheek. Yeah. And it was just sort of, I did it. You did it. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah.
0: Great. And so for people listening who are like, okay, great. Who's this person? Why are they joining the show? Uh, give us the like 30 seconds about what's interesting about you. Yes.
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm Julia Cheek. I'm the founder and CEO of Everly Well. We are based in Austin. We are about to celebrate our five year anniversary, which is hard to believe. But probably the most interesting thing about me starting this company is I started a company in the blood testing space, um, in the direct to consumer space coming with no entrepreneurial background or healthcare background whatsoever. Right. um, And had every kind of x in the box of why you would right you were a consultant before. right i was a management consultant yeah Where? And i went at deloitte went and got my mba had a really Where? traditional harvard <laughs> had a really traditional corporate sam's path. all about the pedigrees yeah i hate it yeah. i
0: don't care sam's like harvard okay i'm in
2: yeah there, there's <laughs> definitely some interesting ties i think that turned me on to being an entrepreneur when i was there but certainly like i was really on the corporate path um and then had this idea when i was working at MoneyGram and left my job to do it and i can confidently say of people who know me was like, this is definitely going to fail. There's no way it's going to work. So
1: what's the company Um, do?
2: Yeah. So uh, when I was five years ago, when I was working at MoneyGram, I had a bunch of all these unexplained health symptoms. This is super common, which you hear from women in their late 20s and their 30s, as they have chronic fatigue, aches and pains, they're not taken seriously at doctors. And so um, I went to five or six different doctors on good health insurance and each of them ran different blood tests. I never got my results. Um, I paid over $2,500 out of pocket. Nothing material showed up or was communicated to me. What
0: do you mean you never got your results? Like, you like, personally didn't receive it? I
2: personally it. Right, the doctor looks or at even it. even if they called me, like, I missed the call. Nobody ever called. They said, we'll call right. you if anything's abnormal. <laughs> well, like, what does that mean? You tested 100 different things. Like, just because something's not totally out of whack doesn't mean there's not interesting or useful information right. there. So um, I sat down and I looked at the health insurance landscape, and I thought, man, people are going to have to start paying for all this in a more meaningful way than we are today. And I'm at least confident that my cohort of women between like 25 and 45 can't get the testing that they need. Right, and I think I can solve that. And so it really started out, honestly, not that it wasn't a big vision, but it was a little bit like if you if you think about the first group you're solving a problem for, that's what we launched for. So today we have 35 different tests on Everlywell.com, on Amazon, Target, CVS, Kroger. Um, we work with Humana, and we offer consumer-initiated testing for everything from STI testing, heart health, food sensitivity, etc.
1: Basically, um, is it every test?
2: It's like 90% of common test coverage. uh, Did you raise money? I've raised over $50 million from... Five-zero, you said? Five-zero from West and East Coast VCs. Um, That was after, obviously, having like three rounds of clawing my way through um, funding. And then suddenly things did get easier. Um, And we actually grew from zero to... See, we did 40 million in sales last year. Yeah. Wow. Our third year in operation. Is that okay? okay no coronavirus, but fist no pound for, yeah, for, no, for the 40 especially million. For especially uh, for the healthcare entrepreneur, and we have to, yeah. have to learn not to do that. We were, so. we're <laughs> just talking
1: about coronavirus. Do you yeah. guys sell coronavirus tests? Yeah.
2: You know, if we did, I think we'd, I wouldn't be here right now. Right. Probably. Yeah, you'd be busy. <laughs> I mean, doing something else, but, um, but I'm hopeful there's progress, uh, as we learned today from Gilead and a couple other companies. I'm hopeful someone's close on it. And so, but no, we don't so have that, unfortunately. are those
1: one time purchases, the 40 million? Uh,
2: no, it's, I mean, it's a combination of new customer acquisition and repeat. We have a really healthy repeat business because a lot of our tests are things like cholesterol. But it's not thyroid. recurring is what I mean. It's not recurring. We do have um, enterprise contracts that are recurring Got it. for Medicare. Right. Uh, but it's a mix of what I would call one time repeat and then actual recurring contracts. Um, Which is, there's challenges, there's good and bad. I think when you have a one-time heavy business up front, you have to build a good set of unit economics from the get-go so that you're not just optimizing on this like promise of payback right right so that's been good for us um on the other hand we've had to be super super disciplined in a way that i think some have been
0: right um, and so you're so- based out of austin you yep. do this d2c at home yes. test that then gets sent to a lab a partner lab they analyze it you get the full report It's like here's everything, here's what's interesting about this. You can share it. Uh, It's like the way that it should be. Like if you didn't even, you didn't have to like invent this. If you just asked a lay person, you're like, how should this work? Right. That's the description. And then you just made that like happen in real life. Uh, The other thing that's interesting is you were on Shark Tank.
2: I was.
0: So as a fan of reality TV, me and Sam both watched The Challenge, probably the trashiest reality show that there is. Well, tonight's
1: the season finale of the Netflix one. Of which one? No, the one uh, where they get married after living in a room. Love is Blind? Oh. Yeah.
0: Wait, didn't it all come out already? Didn't they just it release today.
1: it? Today. Today,
0: no. I'm, uh, at, I'm at episode three of that one. Um, good show. It's pretty awesome. Pretty good show. <laughs> uh, have you seen it? I haven't seen it yet. Do you know the premise? I do know
2: the premise. They put people in rooms and they don't see each other. Yeah, so God, It's, it's actually married. pretty cool a as a se- experiment. Oh, they have to get married. Yeah, yeah they have to I get married. Or you get part. cut off
0: the show. Like literally, <laughs> oh, you don't even get like eliminated survivor style. They just edit you out. Like okay. you're just not shown ever again if you didn't propose. And so what ends up happening is it's 10 days behind a wall. You talk to this person and you're speed dating basically behind a wall. So days. you're kind of like deciding who you like. Yeah. And then someone proposes through the wall. So they're like, can you come close to the wall, please? I'm, I'm on a knee now. And I want to you know ask you to marry me. And then, but the thing is that I thought that's where the show would end. But then they like put them in the real world together. And they're like, all right, you're going to get married in 30 days. And see what happens. That's and uh, it's pretty interesting stuff. Okay. So good job, Netflix. Shout what out are to you. you asking her about? Uh, oh, I was actually Shark Tank. Because... Yes. Um, Tell me about how it came about. You you applied many times, one time. How'd you get on?
2: Yeah, so Shark Tank was an, honestly, I am a huge fan of the show. I also am a huge fan of my own experience and that's not, I think, what everyone has to say, but I always tell people, I think it can be a really game-changing thing for entrepreneurs um, if you do it the right way. It is a lot of freaking work, a ton of work. Really? So I-
0: Once you're on or before you're on? Before you're on. Okay.
2: Um. So I would say like, so I we aired in November of 2017. Go to the, the beginning. Say, How'd you even know, audition? it was like a nine-month process of, I would say the year of 2017, 80% of my year was just starting (laughs) to really get things. So we applied, um, and by we, me, um, it's like a 50-page written application. Online or? No, it is printed and written out. I tried to like Use a PDF editor. I mean, it it takes like, forever. Yeah, like you know, it was like a decade ago. Technology. So you write this so whole thing out. I write this whole thing out. I will be honest. I was uh, I was um, a finalist at TechCrunch Battlefield in 2016. Yep. The producer scout from Gotcha. so they reached out, maybe. So they reached out. oh That's cool. Um, so it's kind of like if you're thinking about American Idol, maybe, which I would never be, but you you either can get contacted and sort of put Ascent. in the front yep. and audition, right. or you kind of you wait in line. Wait yeah. Line. So it's not that I had necessarily a better chance, but I did get shortcut into the application right. process. So filled that out. The application probably takes 40 hours, um, wow. and then you have to sign all their contracts and basically sign your identity and image away um, <laughs> to ABC for, in perpetuity. But um, And then from there, you do a voice interview with producers. You do a video interview as well with the application, then a another video interview of your pitch and then from there the producers work with you for about four months to get it right like, what is your story? What is your brand? What is your That's script? Crazy. And it's crazy. Ultimately, your what I think people don't realize on it's a human day, interest story. It's a human interest story. You are there to make good reality TV, but it is your decision. The producers right. will help you and advise you, but this is your gig, and it's up to you to decide how you want to display yourself on TV. Um, but so, do, they, you your, not to air you. do you still remember your? Do so, you still remember your
0: opening? Because you probably drilled it like a well, thousand I, times. I
2: did. I did, and I will tell you, I thought I was like really good and comfortable at public speaking and then I did this, and I was like, okay, I was really bad. And now now I, I <laughs> no, I'm comfortable, did yeah. Did you raise money from them? Um, I did, so I signed, or I shook on the largest deal ever for a female entrepreneur valuation. Wow. So yeah, with Lori Grenier. She is on board, she's been tremendous. Um, because of
0: QVC, or what? And
2: for me, it was really, at the time, we had no brick and mortar retail presence. And I knew that that was a priority for us to create a product that was like actually accessible and ubiquitous. And that's actually, I'd say, been a really good move for us. But I felt that she would be invaluable in helping us to get. Does into she some help of those stores? Yeah, she really helped with packaging and branding and making something that's accessible. When you're trying to like sell a testing kit, where either people think it's a DNA kit, right. or they have no idea what it is, right. Um, being able to differentiate that when you have like ten seconds to grab something. How much of a check did she write? Um, so the deal we shook on was- Why do you keep sh- saying
0: shook? Because there's the shake there's on it the and then, then there's the, then actual, actual, the actual deal. deal. Well, what's the actual deal? I
2: can't disclose that. <laughs> oh, come However, on. Um, However, it, it was different, yes. It better was different, or worse? Better for the company. And it's probably better for Lori.
0: And better because- uh, Why does the deal change? So normally there's like, they do diligence and they might change it probably right. for their favor. You're saying it went better for you guys. It
2: went better How for How does us. it improve? So after you shake on the deal on the show, um, A fair number of those deals, I think it's something like over half never come to fruition at all. And then another quarter or so actually change. And then another quarter get done at the terms that um, I've had a bunch of friends say
1: they screw them. Yeah, the sharks screw these.
2: Each shark shark has a different approach. So, like, I, they're totally, you then go into their management company, right? So you're going into Mark Cuban companies or Lori Grenier's companies. And so it's not a, um, I don't know what each shark's process is. I can say Lori's was super fair. They go through very detailed diligence on everything everything but but you know what the show actually does diligence on you they Beforehand. have a venture analyst on board so they run diligence on you before you ever pitch what
1: was your valuation um, that you guys agreed on I
2: I pitched I, I my valuation was 20 million post money
1: and how much did she invest so that or was how a, much did they
2: agree on Whatever it was you... a line of credit deal at an 8% interest rate for 5% of the company.
0: And was it like, uh, you know, hey, deal offer on the spot or do you have this like long pause where you're like, can I think and write this down?
2: Well, in my case, every shark was out and I actually knew I wanted either Lori or Mark Mark Cuban. And so, I was really excited about it and so, I really did want to work with her and it was a good deal. So, I actually sat on the show because you're supposed to negotiate. I said, because it makes Good TV, yes. <laughs> um, and so I said, I know I'm supposed to negotiate, but I want to take this deal. Right. So I didn't. Um, you do have. It is really what you see. Like you can exit. You can talk about it with your partner. You can call a lifeline or a friend. Um, they may edit that out or whatever else. But you can take a minute to think about right. it.
0: What's something people don't don't see or don't realize that is different from having actually gone through it versus watching it? it what's a What's one difference? I think
2: people know it's edited. I don't think people realize how long the actual time filming can be from when you walk in and walk out to like what they edit down to five minutes. So it, it varies, but mine was probably an hour and they edit it to seven minutes. Some people's have gone on up to two to three hours. Um, some are 15 minutes, right? And so I think you know it's edited to a degree, but I don't think you realize how much discussion actually happens. Was
1: Lori continue. investing her own money?
2: She is investing her own money, um,
1: So then does she have a fund or is it literally just hers?
2: It is in a... Fund structure, but it's her capital. How, what, her
1: how much do you think she's worth?
2: You know, I don't know. I will say she is a prolific um, salesperson in the sense that, like, the top three or four companies from Shark Tank, and I mean companies that have done like a quarter of a billion in sales. Um, each, squatty total, total. Yeah, it, those. She has a relationship with each of those companies and is invested in each of those companies. Um, so I suspect quite a bit. Not to mention her own patent portfolio and the success she's had with right. products. But do they a great but, team. but
1: do those pay cash flow? I mean, who cares if you I mean, it's important, but if you own equity in yeah.
2: that business and there's not an exit
1: yeah, so I don't know where is her cash coming from. I don't
2: know. I don't know. I'd be very yeah. curious. Sam's gonna get to the bottom yeah. of this. I don't know because well, I it also seems like very
0: green, fat checks.
2: Well, and I also don't. She know... She takes that Saudi money. No, I, each sorry. deal <laughs> is different, right? So like she does it just like an NEVC deal is different, right? She's negotiating a deal with me that's right. different. I don't know what what terms are, you know, with the rest of her companies. I do know she has put all of these companies on the map, from Scrub Daddy to Squatty Potty. These companies that have incredible consumer. Right. She delivers. Right she delivers. Yeah,
0: I've she, got a Squatty Potty so you do <laughs> i'm telling
2: yeah. you i think every, it seems to be one? actually no. i don't have them but yeah, it does seem them, I, I mean it does seem very popular <laughs> apparently, yeah, apparently. So, so
0: how
1: much traffic did your, did your site get oh yeah
2: so we got this is back three years ago remember. it was it was november we which aired would be over, even
1: better than now because there's more tra- uh, people oh, yeah. watch tv more than
2: right and it aired the night before cyber monday it was Thanksgiving wow. weekend. It was, couldn't have been a better day. Although my poor team, they were wonderful. They canceled all their Thanksgivings. It was, you know, a lot of work. But um, what we got about 30 times our normal traffic, but we had an interesting experience. We didn't have this tremendous, like, huge spike the night of in terms of purchases. But we ended up doing about a million dollars in sales, which at the time was a tremendously large number for us. Um, in like the four day period after right. um, the show, so there's been a little bit of this interesting thing for us that I haven't heard many other companies have, which is we doubled, over, like we doubled in that week on a run rate standpoint, and then we continued doubling the next month, and we never had that decline. Right. But we didn't have this spike in like the three hour period that we aired. Yeah. Well, we had how much lot of tra- tra- traffic? Do you know how
1: much traffic I think like it
2: was? A million. Seconds. A million
1: uniques in yeah, 24 uniques. hours.
2: Yeah. So, and we did, I mean, we had to, I mean, at the time we were not set up for that scale. Now we don't what even were using have to Shopify? think about it. know we, we, we've always been on, um, uh, on um, WooCommerce. Stripe. Not WooCommerce, not Shopify. Um, big we've Commerce. Built, we've built on it now and like totally customized it. Uh, Something else. Not, I know, but it's <laughs> one of the big ones that actually, I think we should have gone to Shopify, but we didn't. Gotcha. So now I shouldn't name them because it's going to sound bad. Right. But, Shout out to Toby um, from Shopify. Yes, exactly. I like to think he's listening. Yeah. So,
0: um, might be, we're trying to get him on. I was going
2: to say that valuation, right? Yeah. that value- so, he, he also um, streams
0: on Twitch. Great guy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we saw really good traffic increase, but it was an it was a very different pattern. And Lori warned us about that. She said some companies it's like they sell out immediately, and some companies it's just a slow kind of right. slow burn. So um, that was what it was with us. But we did not crash, um, which was essential.
1: Do you, did you? So, I have a bunch of questions.
0: Do you have some? I have some, not about Shark Tank, though. I mean, me neither. All right. cool. Close
1: the chat on Shark Tank. <laughs> I'm, I, I know enough See about Shark tuned. Tank. Now. There,
2: there may be a so, uh, there may be an upcoming. An upcoming oh, are uh, so.
0: Your yes. back as one of the glory children. Potentially,
2: uh, potentially, we uh, are actually in two years. We're the number. I think we're number ten on the all-time best-selling list. Right. What's number one? Seasons. Squatty Potty. The socks, and then Squatty Potty. What's the socks? Bombas.
0: Oh, Bombas. oh they were on their too. Yeah, number I didn't one. I realize that. Oh, God damn. Two
2: hundred and fifty million in sales. Shit. Yes.
0: I'm oh, wearing yeah. Bombas right yes. now, I think. Yeah. You have Bombas. Yeah. Uh, I, I went on Twitter. I said, what's the best sock money can buy? When we sold the company, I was love like, it. I'm going to buy unlimited of the best sock. Yeah. That was the thing I'd always told myself. That's cool. When I become a millionaire, unlimited best socks. And Bombas was like what everybody said. Do you love them? Um, yeah, I love them, but, but I need more. That's all. Like stories. I ran out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I bought the, whatever, the like 60 pair or whatever, but like, I, I think I need like yeah. 500 pairs of socks, like laundry. You weakness. know, that's
1: like one of the best hacks you could do is what I did was I bought, I only have one pair of underwear, but I own like 30 of them yeah. and one pair of socks and I own 50 of them. Yeah. So I never match socks. Yeah. It's the greatest hack ever. Yes. It, it, I've been doing it since I was 18. <laughs>
0: Should we? Applaud. <laughs> <A pod. laughs> um, okay, so I, I got a question for you. So yes. uh, let's say I buy the product. What do I actually do at home when I take the test? Like physically, what is? what do I have to do?
2: So this uh, people are often surprised how many people we get to take their blood at home, but that's right. often what it requires. So like most of our testing is pricking your finger to draw a small sample of blood. Um, some are saliva, some are urine. But obviously there's a reason why they normally take your blood at a lab. It's because you can analyze the most number of right. markers and the, the broadest um, assortment of markers using blood. So it's dried blood spot testing. It's like a very, frankly, old-school model. Um, Your method? Yes. Quest, LabCorp, all of the labs have dried blood spot testing. Uh, what does that mean? In Lan... It just means you're... Just pre- a You're breaking a finger and you're dropping blood onto a several paper. Right. Or a, a treated device so, that is then... Uh, the blood is then drying.
1: But you guys aren't doing the test. you are not. We're We're not. A, you're a middle person.
2: Very middle person, which if you were a VC responding to me back in 2016, <laughs> I was a marketing company. Right. Um, that's what
1: I was
0: going to say,
2: but yeah. I didn't want you to take
1: it. No,
0: they own I don't the customer relationship. So, like, um, that's the most important part.
2: Right. And, and I think, you know, it's interesting when people like, oh, well, you're just a middleman or you're just marketing. But I really view us more as, okay, the labs are our manufacturing partners, right? right? You don't buy things directly yeah. from manufacturers typically, right? Who, you buy them who, from a brand. Right.
1: Who's um, your provider?
2: So we have seven different partner labs we work with. Probably the, the one that runs the majority of our business um, is Perkin Elmer, which is a publicly traded life sciences company. They're huge. They're global. Um, and they've been really a good partner to scale. And they have a lot of credibility. They're the worldwide leader in dry blood spot testing. Right. So. Of the 50 good, million. is what everyone
0: grows up wanting to be. The worldwide uh, leader the worldwide in leader di- dry hey, blood spot hey, testing. I know. <laughs> but
2: you know what? Like for us in our space and we're in the medical space, it's really important to have that that stamp, especially with. So, all the failures. That so happened, I
0: really want so. you to hear Sam's thoughts on food allergy testing. Sam, yes. take it away.
2: <laughs> I'm
0: excited. I, Let's go. I think that
1: a lot of them are bullshit. Yeah. Am I right or wrong, or what do you
2: mean? It, I think it depends. And, no, and you mean, we, we talked about this earlier. No, it's, it's important, and it's. Um,
1: but they do every test, though. So we do every test. It's okay if I don't buy one of them.
2: You know, it's interesting. Well, first of all, so to correct you, there's a major difference between a food allergy and celiac disease, and then a food intolerance or a food. That's sensitivity. what I'm referring to is intolerance. Okay, so but just for you know, listeners, I think it is important because even doctors just say allergy and sensitivity is the same thing. I I, I compared not. the
1: intolerance test to chiropractory.
2: Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I was okay. Like,
1: I was like, I think that it sounds good, but, but it doesn't work.
2: You know, it's interesting. We have become associated, this food sensitivity testing in general has become associated with Everly Well, which I suppose is like I'm proud of from a brand standpoint, but on the other hand, um, it's been going on for over 30 years and there's thousands of doctors that do both IgG, IgG, IgA testing, um, around the U S and most people that you talk to, if you've talked to them about food intolerance, they will like, Oh yeah, I had that done at my allergist or I had it done at, um, a nutritionist or at my general practitioner. It has to be used in a specific contest context, context, To be valuable. And so I do think that is why it's really important that you educate people on how it should be used. It should be used with an elimination diet. It is not a be all end all, it's a guidance. Um, It is something, it is our test where we have more people quantitatively say it's changed their lives than any other test um, but and there's good research around it for that use what there's not good research around is saying like it's a, it diagnoses you with an allergy it can just be used as kind of a black and white guidance of what you should and shouldn't eat that's absolutely not true um, so I think there's a lot of misinformation I think there's a lot of different types of testing and the nomenclature gets mixed up for things it shouldn't be used for um, and I think it's great that Everly Well has been known as the brand for that, but honestly, we're offering a test that has been around for decades and needs to be used in the right way. And if we can take the lead in educating people on what that should be, then we'll do that.
1: What category of tests do you think are, is the biggest opportunity for sexual, you?
2: what well, we call it sexual health, STIs. Yeah. Um, and there's several reasons for that. One, right now our tests are too highly priced um, because the lab itself is expensive for us to run the test. Um, What's so the we, price roughly? I mean, right now, our single marker STDs are a really good price, for, um, between thirty nine and forty nine dollars. It's also HSA and FSA covered, so for some people, that's a great solution. But many people, for obvious reasons, want a comprehensive test, and that test is, I think, two hundred. Uh, who's I the am.
1: leading the leading company in this space for us what sti's i keep saying stds it's
2: STIs that's is our clinical, old school right? high school <laughs> yeah thing they sexually told us. transmitted infections is the correct nomenclature um we call it sexual health testing because we think that this is something people should just be yeah. proactive about um so who's the biggest
1: in the space for digital
2: uh for at home yeah um it's i would say it's probably us just from branding standpoint there's a couple companies I, sorry i mean in specialize. revenue you guys in revenue asked, wow yeah um, which, to be clear, should tell you how under-resourced served it and is. served this opportunity because is because shouldn't
1: that be like a multi-billion-dollar yes. revenue business? Yes,
2: this is a multi-billion-dollar opportunity. I'm gonna again, if we're gonna rev, lots of other people can come into this space. Um, there's a specific company that only does STI testing, but they haven't been well-funded. They've struggled, um, and we really believe that this is not only how you can best close public health gaps. You also can get people on board to then use testing it from home over their lifetime for any other health issue as well Um, people don't want to go into a clinic you don't want to go period right Um, and our solution you actually can not only um, get your results but then you can diagnose and treat through an independent physician um, if you have a positive if it's a relevant sti that can be treated so it's a full service solution um, and what you're looking at right now is we have a really good business but If you look at the price sensitivity, there's a certain age group that's going to be willing to pay 250 to go get a test versus going to a clinic. Are you are you
1: acquiring customers profitably on first touch, or do you hope to do lose money on them on their first touch and then hopefully come back
2: profitably on first touch? That's great. That is for me. We're in Austin. I'm a first-time founder. We're building a sustainable business. We didn't go out and raise money on this premise of just negative contribution margin and then hoping to And it's what, Facebook? The Facebook's
0: the main channel? or No oh, way, search. It,
2: uh, well, it depends. Search for different categories, but search has a ceiling. It, it does have a ceiling, even with But if STI you search
1: testing. STD test online, you need that shit right now. Right.
2: <laughs> right which, yeah, or so, food allergy. So for yeah. that category, certainly search is great for us. But Facebook um, slash Instagram was for a long time our, our largest acquisition channel, and and Both by force and um, by proactively moving away, we've right. really diversified, which has been a good move for our business. So and what,
0: TV now or uh, no?
2: Some TV we've had mixed success with, we again, because we are on this profitable unit economics from the beginning um, play. We, when we can't fully measure attribution and ROI on first purchase, sometimes it's hard for us to want to invest. So we've had right. mixed success with TV, but we do believe it's important for brand building yeah. and category education.
1: Is all that $50 million going into marketing spend?
2: No. no. Engineering, product, clinical. A lot of it goes into clinical and medical affairs. Um
0: But you're not doing the clinical, so what's the, is it the kit, making sure the kit is as robust as it should be or what?
2: Well, we have a regulatory and compliance team that ensures that either the lab partners we're working with or new lab partners that we're making sure that they're meeting the highest quality standards. We're starting our own research studies to prove outcome data, which will take time, but we think is really important. we do have obviously a healthy paid marketing budget, but we're trying to hire more in house around content, SEO, organic and those pieces as we start to actually build out like a healthy marketing engine and not just be dependent on this like paid social right. thing that we were the last few could years. Could you
1: have bootstrap this?
2: No. And that I think is a I really. I feel like you would
1: have if you could have. I
2: would have if I could well, have. Because if, if, it's if, a if really you, important question though. If Go you ahead. just
1: said like you're a marketing company, I'm like, oh, okay. So just white label this thing. Do you see it and put this cute millennial pink on it and then just start buying traffic? What, where's the, I mean, that's, that's how simple
0: it sounds. What was, what were some of the challenges beyond the, like, you know, send traffic to a landing page and order this like white labeled product? Right.
2: So we don't white label. We actually fully end to end construct and brand our kits. Um, And really what the lab does is run the sample. That's the goal of the lab. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's also a really complex product from an engineering standpoint. Um, So not only creating, obviously, what is somewhat basic an e-commerce site, but then a results platform that is able to speak with a third-party physician network, translate lab results that were often really messy, and then be able to say that in a meaningful way to consumers. And five years ago, that was not as easy from a, a UX standpoint as it is today. So a
1: doctor interprets all the results? An
2: independent physician.
1: Why couldn't they do something where they just, like, say, like, the normal ranges and if you are in range or out of range? So, like, I, I use Wellness FX and they do yeah. a blood test and they just say, like, you... They also use a doctor. No shit, yeah. really?
2: It's for regulatory reasons. It's to make sure that you basically have a doctor in the process of saying, okay, I've made sure that this test is appropriate for you. I've made sure that if there are critical values, so, for example, if you took our STI test and you had an abnormal, you would have a physician call you and talk you through next steps and offer you a telemedicine consult. Yeah,
1: so right. that wouldn't be...
2: Right. And so there there are checks and balances in place. You don't always have to interact with the doctor if it's just a normal result, um, right. but there's certain like levels of escalation.
0: And so, so when, when you're at the it beginning... Is, it
2: is similar to wellness effects. It's its home kits, and of effects really kind of... Stayed on the quantified self or brand and never was able to scale. That
1: business f- totally fizzled. Yeah. effects yeah. I thought it was going to be out awesome. There. It's all right though. Yeah. It, I use it, but it's not like that successful. But it's
2: interesting. I mean, there have been a lot of companies, many, especially after Shark Tank, I would put it in the two dozen range, that launch an Instagram, create a pretty logo, have a kit. And then about six months to 12 months later, you never hear from them again. Right. Um, And it does speak to the power of brand marketing and experience. I mean, our NPS is a 60. We have a world-class customer base. I think in this case, first mover advantage really helped us in the category. It doesn't cause us to keep winning, but it mattered a lot here. Right.
0: I'm not an MPS. Uh, I'm not super savvy with MPS, but is 60 good? I thought 60 would be it, sort of it, like it all, it, it middle of the road. You compare
1: it to you have you have to compare it to others that are similar to you. Yeah, sure. So For your industry, if you're, if you're a bank and you have a 60 MPS, you're the best you're bank like, on earth. You're if you're a 60, but you're like a movie, then it's like <laughs> eh. yeah,
2: exactly. World class would be like 80 or above, right? right. So certainly it's below that. Um, but I think how we view it as we look at other healthcare services, and most are around a zero to a negative. Right. Don't measure. Right. Right. And so we feel good about our product rating is 4.5 out of 5 stars on average. And so we do look at that and say, okay, this has to be qualified. It's a very uh, favorable VC metric, one that I think has sometimes limited actionability or limited kind of data-driven decision-making around what do you do with it, but um, we like it in terms of saying, okay, just benchmark. Yeah, it's a good benchmark.
0: So when you were starting this, and because I'm thinking my sister is a management consultant, my wife is a management consultant, and you have this idea, you're sitting at Deloitte and you have this personal experience where you you do this test and you're like, this is crappy. that's what I'll call like every entrepreneur has the stated story, mm. which is like, you know, I was trying to get a test and I just, you know, was so frustrated and therefore I wow. decided to create a solution. And um, behind the stated story is like, you know, more of the real story. And yep. our, our audience is very entrepreneurial um, and they feel this on a day to day basis. They have these ideas. They also have doubts. They want to vet the idea. So tell me like that. From the moment you had the idea, that first couple weeks, you know, what was what was going through your mind? What were you doing? And what got you over the point where you're like, okay, I'm actually going to do this?
2: Yeah, I think this is important because I it is the real story, right? So I'm like, oh, I just had this idea, and I right, you know, it's not a lie. We moved, we moved <laughs> to Austin in a U-Haul. All those things are true. Um, but there's Who's a few things. My husband and I, um, and our dog. Uh, There's a few things that I think are important. It's not like I woke up one day and was like, oh, I'm going to go do this crazy thing. So I did go to Harvard and I was in this weird time. It was during the recession in 2009 when everybody in my class and the class above me were becoming entrepreneurs. And so you had Rent the Runway, you had Birchbox, you had Guilt a few years before, Stitch Fix, Oscar. I had two unicorn founders in my section alone. And at the time, uh, Grab Taxi out of? Korea yep. and then um
0: Grab's huge
2: who was oh Coupang. Okay. Uh, both in my section. Right. So at the time it didn't feel that unique, but I was being exposed to this day in and day out. And so I had this kind of roadmap for how to go about it once I started thinking about becoming an entrepreneur. And so I the reality is I probably spent two years on the weekends in my spare time not making any money but going through different industries different business models advising different companies on their business plans and seeing like what would really stick do you have all There's that research nothing. saved I do but it's really like I look you gotta back, send that to me it's kind of boring it's <laughs> That's, just send it to me. I don't know I will, I will send it, right. but it's, it's like I, I would be very literal in how I would go about evaluating all these ideas. And honestly, Everly Well was probably the craziest and the worst of the ideas for me to go and actually do, given my background. What but, were the other ones? Um, no, I mean, it was like travel... Um, luxury resale, something like what the Real Real is doing. Um, I mean, house decorating curation online, like all kinds of different spaces where there's probably opportunity in any of those. Hey, things you just described right
1: house, so you're uh, yeah. you're two for two dog company ideas.
2: To, to be clear, it's, I, you know, I don't know if I took an idea from them right, or if yes. I <laughs> if I actually came you're up with it. But, um, you know, the match with Everly was not necessarily one where you'd be like, oh, it sh- Right. It was not obvious. But um, it was the one where like, I realized really early on, this is a decade long thing. Right. So, if it actually works, you're in it. For so, you, a long you did time.
0: it right so away after you did this exercise? Uh, you sort of started it, it was or a no? a
2: couple years. I mean, until I had this health experience in 2015. Right. And then I kind of matched the two together. So, this was early 2015. I ended up incorporating the company June 18th, 2015 and then I left my job in August.
0: And Did you think of yourself so, as an entrepreneur? You said you were on the corporate path, but it sounds like you had dabbled in the idea of being an entrepreneur. I did you think dabbled. of yourself that way?
2: I didn't. Um, both my parents are lawyers. Um, I didn't realize, one, that being an entrepreneur was actually a career choice and a path that you could like become good at. That didn't necessarily mean financial success, but you could be a serial entrepreneur and actually make that a career. Um, and I also, frankly, didn't have a lot of confidence. So. It was interesting at Harvard because I kind of looked around and thought, I think I'm just as smart as all these people who are like really founding successful companies. Right. So maybe I can do it, too. And I honestly did it just to see if I could do it. I never like I truly couldn't even imagine having made a million dollars in sales. And so I'm not sure I necessarily thought about what it would look like today. Um, I just thought it was a really big opportunity and something that I wanted to see if I could go do. And that was how I made the decision is I thought I'm passionate, I think it's a major thing. I was in the FinTech space and I thought that was already really oversaturated by 2015. tons of apps, et cetera. And so I knew that this was an area that I was not care about. I know, turns (laughs) turns out I was a little little wrong about that. But, but, and, and you know, I do think Wellness FX is an example where I think they were just ahead of their time. They were too early on the curve. Well, I think the folks who
1: started are like scientists or something like that, or they're they're in the industry. And I actually think that's a weakness. You have to kind of be a marketer first, or you don't have to be. But if it's a consumer brand, you 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 have to have that part of you. You got to be aggressive. You have to. um, You were you were an outsider, right, to this industry? Completely. What? Opportunities have you uh, uncovered where you tell people, man, just so you know, like there's this huge problem in this industry. I think it can be solved. Yeah. What other
0: adjacent things have you observed?
1: Because I'm a total outsider, but 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 when I hear about these types of businesses, I'm like, it's like it's if you can like solve a handful of problems, it's so easy to crush it.
2: Price transparency, which may seem obvious, and I think there's a lot of companies that talk about in healthcare doing price transparency, but they don't actually do it. And even the digital startups trying to do it, um, they can't actually tell you what something will cost in healthcare. So we just go outside of insurance so that we can actually tell people what something will cost. But if you were able to do this in a really big way and say, hey, we can accurately tell you your cost commitment for this service, I think you would crush it. And well, and I, it within the insurance like? system within. within insurance but i think there is a much much larger growing acceptance of consumers who are happy to pay for something in healthcare as long as they know what they're going to get and what it costs right and so i don't know that it has to be within insurance you gotcha. also have this hsa and fsa space that's exploding in terms of people on fsa and hsa plans and then what they're using those dollars for um, I think there's an interesting play there. So and what does that look
1: like? What's an example? Like if you started of a company, throw out a half baked
2: yeah. pitch, oh. that's
1: okay, it's what we do.
2: <laughs> Man, if you could be a, so if you had physicians and you said, okay, I'm going to have you pay $50. Anytime you see the physician, we're going to own a pharmacy and any of your drugs are going to be transparently priced and you can't use a coupon, everything is the same price and it's all generic. Um, and then if you say, okay, and then I want to be able to get, you know, testing done, and then they can tell you the pricing on that. But here's the problem with it. You have to actually own the supply chain and the service. You have to chain. be vertically integrated. You have to be vertically integrated to do this. Because Sounds otherwise, like a fucking nightmare. I know. But my point is Fuck. you almost build a system external to the system. Right. And you can do this at affordable pricing. The reason healthcare is so expensive is because you're adding cost into the system through the insurers right. and those contracts. And when you get the bills, you're getting the bill for whatever they didn't want to cover, but that was intent, like the provider billed the insurance company what they hoped the insurance company would pay, not at all what it costs. What else? Um, it doesn't have to be. Care? It doesn't have
0: to be healthcare. It could be whatever. It could Just be your personal life.
1: You discovered along the way. For example, like, uh, when we started our company, we realized yeah. that like paying freelancers is. is uh, yes. I was like, wow, I didn't realize how hard that was. Yeah. So, like along the way, where you've like, where you we your, your entrepreneur. Are you the type AD. that
0: do you oh, keep have, a little have a notes list. app? That's yeah, like
2: some of them get solved. So, for example, like three years ago, uh, two years ago on on um, Black Friday, we had a bunch of compliance limits with our banking system on spend in Facebook. I was like, gosh, I wish there was a product where you could actually get like a, a cash advance for social media advertising. What are you using for that? Um, now, now we're big enough to where we don't have to use a product like a Braxera. Right, we just um, started talking right. about that.
0: Or like, like ClearBank or like could Clearbank do this. Would yeah, do it.
2: right. So, but at that time, if those solutions had been around, we absolutely would have been able to take advantage of them. And then, of course, they came out, and I was like, oh, that would have been a really good yeah, idea. So, idea yeah. so yeah. <laughs> but we really hit a bunch of challenges with that, um, and it, it really can bring down businesses. And then I think you know other places are how do you make. Like as you think about doing a startup, I mean the amount of time we spend on contracts and HR and legal and templatizing. I mean there's so much cost in the system that I would love to take out of it. In healthcare and in highly regulated industries, it's really hard to do things quick, dirty, and cheap, and it's unwise.
1: So um, what do you guys use for your company's health or uh, your company's HR system?
2: For our system, like, like l- lo- I mean Velocity.
1: Velocity. These
2: really, like we used to use Gusto. Uh, but these really kind of heavy clunky systems that look like they're, you know, for fortune 500 companies. Um, and there's nothing great between like Augusto and then the next step up that you need for all of your, right. Administration. And, payroll.
1: and why do you use
0: that?
2: Why? Yeah. Versus Augusto. Yeah. Cause the services start, they couldn't get all the functionality.
0: It's like more sophisticated, more enterprisey. Yeah.
2: It's more enterprisey. But the jump between like, Hey, you're less than 50 people to like hey, we need something much more sophisticated and scalable is painful. And,
1: and that's because you're paying all these physicians.
2: Well, that's an independent network, but we are paying all of our people. Um, and we have
0: about... So these independent physicians, are they doing this on the side of their normal practice? Are these freelancers? or
2: Typically not. They work for another company. They're typically... Some are 1099, but typically yeah. in these structures, and there's a lot of these structures, be it a normal telemedicine company or... These kind of separate entities, um, and they typically are either full time employees. Like Doctor On Demand, entirely employs all their doctors. Right. Um, or some of them are. Technical.
1: So, like, Hims is using one of these third parties to employ doctors. I
2: don't know if they're using a third party or if they have their
0: own. But
1: those know. third parties exist. Uh, those
2: th- those third parties exist.
0: That's a. Are you war. in or out on the Hims row? In. You're in. I'm in. Okay. Oh, I'm heavily in. Oh, nice.
2: Um, and you know, I think. They've done, especially Roe has done a nice job of publishing their decision-making criteria around prescribing um, and how they weigh risk and how they have, I think, responded to a lot of the criticism in the space. Those companies are good for us because people still don't realize that you can get a medical product, whether it's a prescription or a test, consumer-initiated online, and have it at home. And so it helps just, I think, with yeah. the ecosystem.
0: Yeah, I did my eye test at home, you know, yeah. because why would I want to go to the eye doctor yeah. if I could put my phone 10 feet away? Simple, contact. simple contacts. Okay, and yeah. so the first time you do that, you're like, okay, cool, yeah, I'm not going to leave home if I don't have to. Right. So next time I have a problem, great, food sensitivity, let me let me use another at-home product. I do
2: think... It's a lifestyle. Yeah, and and for me, like, I'm on one of the hers, um uh, face or retinol prescription for skincare and for wrinkles and that just saves me time from having to go to the dermatologist where they're trying to get a mail order pharmacy to get me to reorder anyway right (laughs) to be clear it's not like hims and hers created some model that's how physicians
1: well they're they're a marketing company too yeah for sure i I just uh we were talking about have you heard of legacy it's for sperm company you like that or not
2: oh it's a this is a controversial one because of the marketing practices that imply that there's more of an issue than there is. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: What's so that mean? That's like, a lot of we, we diagnose you with the right. problem and then you buy our solution. Right.
1: Well, they just store your sperm they too, do. though. I think that
2: the concern in the healthcare space around this particular problem has been the percent of men that actually need this is so minuscule, but their advertising practices make claims that make it sound.
1: But why wouldn't you want to store your sperm if it costs so well, such so
2: this is where, so here's what we believe is out really well. So for example, we get a lot of questions around, well, like how dangerous is it for people to be over their cholesterol? Well, my opinion is you can buy as much Coca-Cola as you want on the shelf. If you're over 18, you can buy as many cigarettes as you want. And those things actually do you harm and you still have independent thought and agency of making those decisions. And so cholesterol testing or sperm freezing, if that's what you wanna do and you're gonna pay for it, then that's your right to do it. Um, and so I'm I'm with you, but I think you have to then still have a fine line. Like we have to be as Everly well as Hems and Rowe and Legacy and all these companies, you have to be super careful about the claims you're making and how, how kind of what scare tactics you're taking for people to wanna buy it. Um, because there is going to be some backlash eventually from the ftc and there will be some regulatory kind of engagement on this it's just lagging right now because that's what happens with regulation; it catches up later
1: right. i love those businesses because i can't imagine having to go to the doctor and do that yeah <laughs> like that just sucks yeah that's pretty bad.
2: That's uh, no, a good, I mean, and that's, that's exactly what the models are there for. That's exactly why when I talk about the opportunity with STI testing, I think it's real.
1: Same with that. It's
2: huge. It's because people don't, you actually, What whatever the world is doing in general is we're getting people to comply with something they don't want to do otherwise. So like 40%. Because
1: you, you want to get tested, but you don't want to be like, hey, I, uh... I'm doing, yeah. Not
2: just STI. People just don't get it done. Right. The requisition from their doctor. So
1: Particularly men. Exactly. Yeah.
2: So the assumption, the data shows about 40% of tests that doctors issue never get completed so
0: yeah i treat it like a suggestion it's like oh i i should (laughs) do what this says
2: (laughs) you have to take business away from loud Corn Quest. you just have to help people actually get done what they need to right and on top of that you know that'll obviously i think make the pie bigger as well
1: what's the most common sti chlamydia
2: oh gosh i actually don't know from a statistics but i think it's chlamydia are you guys we couple those together and that's our that's our top selling scheme it's
0: chlamydia so everybody who's listening, we want you to get your self tested for chlamydia. Uh, go to everlywell.com. Yep. Dot com, yes. And uh, order your test today. Uh, Julia Cheek, thank you for coming. Um, do for you want to give people a way to follow you? Find, you know, hang out with you more. How, how should people get more of these thoughts?
2: Yes. Uh, Julia T Cheek on Twitter and private on Instagram. Try and keep that. Yeah. Separate. So, <laughs> yeah. Feel free. All
0: right. Thank you for coming by. I appreciate thank it. You thank me. you.